Welcome everyone back to Corporate Courtney. I am your host, Courtney Johnson. I wanted to take this time before I really started Floor 34 and thank all of my listeners. It has been a year in the making, so around this time, May last year, that my first floor dropped and I got a notification from my podcast site that I'd hit 2,000 downloads and it's just surreal to me every time I hit any <laughs> benchmark that gets tracked because I honestly had no idea if anyone would stop and listen to anything that I would have to say. Which has more to do with my imposter syndrome than anything because we absolutely as black women and anyone else who's listening needed a space to talk about some of the things that black women have to face in this world. There is a ton of stuff that black women have to face just every day walking out of their door. But there is a specific niche of being in corporate America that I feel like I felt very isolated and alone in. And I grew up around very successful black women. I have been privileged to know black women from the moment I was born. My mother, her saras, her friends, my aunts, my cousins, even just the random people in my church, in my schools, I saw black women thriving and in corporate spaces. However, nothing truly prepared me for what it was going to be like to be in corporate America. So I think I knew that this market was needed. I knew that this podcast was needed. I just didn't know if I was the right person to serve it or be a part of it. So I want to stop and thank all of you guys for listening. If you've ever shared the podcast, if you've ever listened and didn't roll your eyes, if you ever sent me a warm message or thought about the episode or about the show in general, I just... I truly appreciate it and I don't know how to show you my appreciation or just the support because it isn't easy to get on this microphone week by week. But and as you've seen from the hiatuses, it clearly isn't easy, but I really am excited that we're we're coming up on the year and it's been really, really fun. However, your girl is tired because I don't know how consistently you all listen to these floors or if you listen to them consecutively, but a few floors ago, I talked about how bored I was and how stuck I was feeling, and January Courtney made a whole lot of mess for May Courtney. Because I was in such a stuck season, I'm hard-headed, and hardheads make soft bottoms, as my granny likes to say. And I'm having to take this beating that January and February Courtney put on me. So what does one do when they're stuck? Think quicksand. Some people are very smart and they stay calm and they wait it out. And some people are me 
and their busy bodies and they struggle and they flail and they do any and everything they can to remove themselves from the quicksand. So I tried any and everything to make something stick elsewhere. I was a busybody in my personal life. I was a busybody at work. I applied to so many internal positions to get out of my job that it's unhealthy. I focused too hard on my health a little bit and was seeing every doctor and trying to nitpick every little thing that I could do to change my life, to make something happen. And I started dating apps. I started swiping. I started dating. And of course, nothing has stuck. But I am now feeling a little overwhelmed with all the things that are coming to after doing all of that busybody work. Because at the end of all your work, what you're hoping for is some change. And unfortunately, I didn't think about if I'm trying to make anything happen in any part of my life and I'm doing all these steps to try to get unstuck, eventually I will have to come to head with everything that I'm trying to put together. So what comes from applying to a bunch of jobs? A bunch of interviews. So now I'm in interview after interview, and smiling like corporate Barbie. I am exhausted from internal Zoom calls. I'm exhausted about talking about my strengths. And I'm exhausted from talking to really entitled white men. Y'all, I got off of an interview and almost laughed at how ridiculous and how perfect for the episode it was going to be. I'm convincing this man that I'm a right fit for their department and I'm giving him great history. I'm giving background. I'm giving anecdotes. The man tried so hard in the beginning not to like me and I I literally was looking at him like, don't do this to yourself. You know you're going to love me at the end of this. Stop trying so hard not to like me. I'm wonderful. And you know what? By the end of the interview, we were no longer talking about what my data analytics looks like or what user-centered design I was able to do. We were talking about his children buying his wife lobster rolls from goldbelly.com and how neat of an idea it was and how if I was a foodie, I had to try it. You think someone so centered and focused on analytics and quantum Adobe Photoshop and whatnot wants to talk to me about lobster rolls? He didn't. But what can you do? I'm just so personable. However, he slipped up because once he got comfortable, he got a little too comfortable. So I'm doing the interview with another black woman as well. So it's two people interviewing me, a white man and a black woman. And I can't say she's probably around my age. He starts feeding in to the good vibes I'm giving and he starts complimenting me on how good at I am at seeing the big picture and all this stuff and how he's not really good at that and sometimes gets the small stuff wrong but always gets the big stuff right and I'm gassing him up because I'm looking for the next move I'm looking for something different to make my career a little more well-rounded so I'm gonna give you a little chuckle here and a chuckle there it may be fake but sometimes you gotta fake it to make it right 
So like I said, he's telling me that he messes up the small stuff but always gets the big stuff. So recently he's been working with a marketing woman named Lakeisha and a woman in finance named Labria. Now, I pause to say, outside of the Luz, there is nothing similar to these names, Labria and Lakeisha. Very separate. However, he goes on to tell me about how he always confuses it and he just told them just, you know, you're going to have to get over it because they're so close. And I chuckled and then we ended the interview. And when I hit the X on that WebEx, I thought, wow, I just contributed to the problem. And then I gave myself grace and I said, no, what am I expected to do in that situation? Burn the interview? And then I was torn at how do I feel? Why would I ever want to work with a man like that? If he's on the team, then the hiring managers over there just don't know how to hire decent people. And then I thought, I bet some other people who work with him find him charming. And I thought, you know, that other black woman is probably looking at me and judging me. And then I thought, you know, maybe she's not. Maybe she knows this man and he's constantly doing something like that. And she understands my very off-put giggle at the end and as I'm going back and forth on how I should have approached that situation which was a matter of seconds because I gave a well it was very nice meeting you all thank you for taking the time to interview me and it was over I thought why am I not going over my answers about credentials why did I not go further into detail about the general assembly classes I'm taking on product management, or the mentorship that I'm doing with other women in product. Instead, I'm debating how I should have approached this white man's comfortability with me in my interview. He took away this, the, the whole approach, which is to identify how I get better and how I show myself in a brighter light. I don't remember any of the great answers I may have said or anything that I should work on for another interview, I'm battling how I should approach a white man telling me he's confusing Lakeisha and Labria and how they should just get over it. And then for a minute, I kind of thought, what do Labria and Lakeisha think about that? How do they approach it? Do they let it slide because it's so little and it is insignificant? Or are they very upset to think, I have nothing to do with finance, I'm a marketing woman, and I there's no B in my name at all? It's unfortunate. And I had no intentions of even having that to be the topic of the podcast today. I just was trying to go about my black-ass life in a black-ass way through an interview to get out of my own personal turmoil. And here I am having to do somersaults and backflips with how I should approach it. I mean, honestly, do you think that man sat there after the interview and thought, I shouldn't have said that in front of those two black women? I doubt it. I bet he didn't even think of it. I bet when he got off that, he thought, she's a lovely girl. In fact, if I'm not off the mark, she's a lovely colored girl. We'd be happy to have her on the team, get a diversity mark and someone I don't mind talking to 
in the coffee break room. I don't know because I'm not in the office anymore and I don't really know what people do with people in the office anymore. But I shouldn't have to deal with that. I shouldn't have been judging myself on having to deal with that scenario. I shouldn't even think about having to correct that man. Because at the end of the day, if I had confronted him and been like, no, those two names sound very different. I don't understand how you could get them confused. Then I'm being antagonistic. And then I'm not getting the interview. And then I'm stuck right where I am right now, where I'm in the quicksand and I'm trying to fight out. There's no point to add more quicksand to your quicksand. But that's what I would have been doing. However, I've had an awful feeling in my gut afterwards about letting that man slide because he's going to continue to confuse Labria and Lakeisha and possibly on purpose. And I could have been the advocate to get in the way and say something. And while I was feeling a little judged by the other black woman on the call, she didn't say anything either. And I wouldn't expect her to. Not once in my backflips did I think why didn't she stand up and say anything in fact I really just felt judged because I didn't but at the end of the day the both of us need to survive in this corporate America but how do we make change if we're not willing to have those uncomfortable conversations and that my friends is the balancing act that I'm talking about that's what spearheaded this whole podcast because I don't know what to do I'm 28 I don't have a ton of experience with a lot of people putting these microaggressions in my face. And unfortunately, I don't think I reacted or performed the way I would want to. I think with a little more time and a little, you know, scenario play, I could have come up with a good way to deal with it. I could have joked about missing up his name. I could have talked about people with two first names for you know, a first and last name. I could have thought of something else, but hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think I was just so taken aback by the fact that he even felt comfortable with me to say that, especially after I felt like I was already trying to drag him through the rest of the interview is unfortunate. And I bet there's someone out there listening to this episode and they're going, well, I don't know, Labria, Lakeisha, the La." I would get them confused. And that's a problem. I want to be very clear on where I stand with that. Learn people's names. I'm really bad at names is not an excuse. We all have something we're bad at. We have to work on it. We have to focus on it. And we have to make sure that we are making a change proactively to be better. And yes, names may not be that important to you in the grand scheme of getting your work done, but To belittle a person and not even address them by who they are or try to address what their work is and tie it to their names is belittling. And I hate to be the one to tell you this, but it's mad racist. Labria and Lakeisha sound nothing alike. That's like saying Ashley and Anna sound the same because they both have an A at the beginning. Get out of here. You're doing that because you don't want to take the time to assess that these black women are individuals and they make contributions to their everyday work life, which probably makes your workday a lot easier. And now, aside of belittling these women and their jobs, you've now dragged me and these other black women into it because we have to assage you or make you feel comfortable with it. Because you dropped it on my front door and now I got to deal with it. 
And because I've chosen not to deal with it, there may be long-term consequences for other black people that I can't even begin to think about, nor will I continue to, because I have to live my life. I'm constantly fighting a battle for a race in a holistic view, and I don't think that my white counterparts have to do that. Not to toot my own horn, but I did amazing in that interview. I made someone who started out very apprehensive and stern, feel jolly, happy, and was complimenting me at the end of it. I should have walked away from that interview feeling good about myself and preparing for the next interview or getting to my next work. And instead, I felt like I was handed another caseload of work and it had nothing to do with what I get paid for. I just draw on that for people who may be listening to this podcast and after 30 or four floors, you're like, hey, her problems are just like mine and I'm not even a black woman. And at the end of the day, I would love that. I would love for all of our problems just to be corporate America problems. However, I've got an extra layer. Shoot, I got two extra layers to have to deal with on top of it. That black tag and that female tag always makes my days in corporate America a little bit more difficult. And instead of discussing micro managers, I'm talking microaggressions. And it's changed what I do in my after work life. I will say that if you as a black woman are going through life and you've had experiences like this or you've had scenarios that are very similar where you felt like you could have said something but you didn't want to rock the boat or you were taken aback and you didn't respond the way you thought you were supposed to. I know I say it a lot, but please give yourself grace. Racism isn't new, but confronting racism is. And I say that in a very generic way because I know that there was a lot of pushback and I know that there was a lot of fighting for equal rights, but the ability to confront someone in their face is very new age system. Because before, if you had said something in the office place and you brought it to HR, they may laugh in your face. You may be fired. You can have whistleblower, you know, implications put on you. And now we're kind of in a day and age where the expectation is for you to have support when that happens. So you may drag yourself to think, I have to stand up for everything at every time. And unfortunately, we don't live in this black and white world where, yes, companies support Black Lives Matter. They put up the black square for you, so they're going to support you in your claim. It's the very same thing about if you report sexual harassment. Sometimes they believe you, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do something, sometimes people get a slap on the wrist. And I understand it. You never know. And that is the unfortunate part about being a minority. That being said, how you choose to deal with these situations is how you choose to deal with these situations. Yes, there is a lot of talk about being the change you want to see, making those changes so that future black women do not have to run into this. And I get it. But sometimes there is also that survival instinct and if you continue to want to work in a place or you don't want to be the one to be labeled with something, I understand it. 
none of this is easy and I'm not taking an activist class. I don't know how to always say the right thing or how to do it in a way that's effective and makes the change that we want to see. I could have gone about it all the wrong way and made it worse for other black women later. I don't know. I think, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, And as I sit with it and I think about it, there are a lot of different ways I could have approached it. There are a lot of ways I think the girl deep down inside of me would have wanted me to do. And though I am not giving myself the grace and I'm kind of disappointed in the way that it all worked out. I don't want this feeling for someone else. So I thought I'd share here and let you know that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You don't always have to be the one to fight back. And if you do feel the need to fight back, I am so proud of you and so thankful for you because you're making a way for women later. But it is a tricky dance. So that's all I've got for you this week. Thank you again for listening, and if you've had experiences very similar or you have thoughts or feelings, please send them to the Corporate Courtney Podcast at gmail.com or find me on social media at underscore corporate court. You can be anonymous, but I'd love to share other experiences and other scenarios or how you would have handled the situation on the podcast as well. And... That's all I got for you guys this week. Thank you for listening. Again, thank you for the 2,000 downloads. Very exciting. Um, And as always, I love you guys. Toodles.